welcome in one and welcome in all so please bear with me with your host travis corley and if you listen very carefully did you hear it no neither did i because that was the sound of the texas tech faithful in lubbock on saturday after the baylor bears waltzed in and silenced the crowd with a big win 45 to 17 on a blackout night with Patrick Mahomes coming back to Lubbock. I was told the crowd was going to be wild. Didn't see it. Nope. Didn't see it. And Paul Catalina of Sikkim 365 is here to talk about it along with a few other things. So let's kick it off. Please bear with me. show today for you and especially great show after coming off of a big win in Lubbock road games are hard to win road conference games are even harder to win Baylor goes into uh what I heard was going to be a a crazy crowd silenced them um they they weren't very loud for very long if at all so a big win here for the Bears and bowl eligibility is looking very promising now and this is the team i think that we all expected to see from week one a a dominant offensive and defensive line a dominant running game the passing game playing off of the running game wide receivers how presley making incredible catches the defensive line pressuring the whole game making it uncomfortable for the opposing quarterback relieving pressure off of those young defensive backfield players so they can get used to it and get into their groove, which they did. Five interceptions. You love to see it. So look, this is the the culmination of seven weeks of work. Longer than that, going back to the spring and to fall camp. But this, we, we finally see the culmination of all that hard work coming to fruition after a big win Richard Reese on his way to set records already as a true freshman likely going to beat Shock Linwood's freshman rushing Baylor record hopefully going to do it in Norman this weekend and a few other things here before we get to Paul Catalina the Kansas State game has been announced 6 p.m. yes finally a night game in McLean, conference night game in McLean, and it's going to be a big one. Kansas State, a top 15 team. In my opinion, I think they're a top 10 team. That kicks off at 6 p.m. in Waco. So if you're not planning on being there, uh, plan on it. Plan on it. It's going to be a fun game. It's either going to be on Fox or FS1. Big 12. Big 12 lands a, a big media deal with ESPN and Fox and gets it done early before the Pac-12 can do anything. Paul Catalina's got got some good info for us on that front. We'll get his thoughts on that as well. 
And also saw this from the Houston Chronicle. Uh, Houston is going to open their Big 12 play next year with home games versus TCU and Texas. So we're not sure what the, the schedule is going to look like next year. It's going to be wild. I think when that schedule gets released, it's going to be really, really fun to just comb through everyone's opponents, especially Baylor. It's going to be like Christmas morning, you know, going into schedule reveals the past, whatever, you know, 10 years where we've all played round robin and just kind of played each other. May not have been 10 years. I don't know. But yeah, going into schedule releases where we know we're going to play every single team, it's not as exciting because you kind of know if you're going to play a team home or play a team away. And it just kind of, the only exciting part about it is just knowing when you're going to play those opponents. So like this next one next year is going to be really, really fun to dive into and to comb through. But we're not there yet. We are not there yet. We are still here in this season and Baylor has an an excellent opportunity to just keep climbing the ladder, keep improving and we have a very very tough schedule to end the year here. I think uh Baylor's ranked uh 17th in S&P Plus and our final 4 games everyone is ranked ahead of us. And we we know the gauntlet that the Big 12 has been this year. And these last four games are arguably the toughest stretch. And I, actually, I was looking at everyone else's schedule today, and we for sure have the have the toughest schedule left in the Big Twelve. And it's glad that we it, it's good that we put a a, uh, a performance like that versus Tech this past weekend to to continue to build on that and and to really really have the I think the highest confidence um, that we've had throughout the year. Um, for the team and and for fans as well. So uh, a, a good opportunity here at Norman to get a back-to-back road wins, which is really, really hard to do, um, especially in Norman, a 2 o'clock game. And, and Paul will come on and talk about that as well. But just wanted to open up with the, those few things. And, uh, you know, hey, without further ado, we'll bring on Paul. Bears fans, welcome in to Please Bear With Me with your host, Travis Corley. And today, joined by a very special guest of Sikkim 365 Radio, Paul Catalina. Welcome, Paul. Ah, thanks for having me, Travis. Always great to see you, buddy. Hey, I, I appreciate you being here. Uh, you, you've had a very busy day so far, so I, I appreciate you, uh, you fitting me in here on, on your busy day. And before we get into anything, man, congratulations on the engagement. Um, oh, thank you. That is that is very I'm a, exciting. I'm a grown up now. I'm 42 years old, so finally yeah. at the adulting stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's been a wild. Uh, well, we got engaged in July. She's lived here since April of 21. So she lived here for over a year before we got engaged, and. Uh, it is, uh, it's amazingly different, my life and much better. I will say, I think a lot of people sometimes don't, uh, appreciate what they're like. You don't either appreciate what you have, or you don't know what you're missing. Right. Mm. And I think I didn't, I, I probably didn't do uh, enough of both. I didn't know what I was missing. So it's been great. Uh, her, her, my, my future in-laws are coming in, uh, as we speak, she's on her way down to pick them up. So, 
um, it's uh, it's very exciting times here at the uh, at the Catalina House. Hey, sounds like it. And and as a person who's on the other side of that, that's been married now here for a couple of years, I can uh, I can tell you that life is going to get a lot more exciting and, and a lot better. That's that's for dang sure. Well, oh, that's Paul, good. It's good to know. Yeah, yeah. You, you got a lot to look forward to. That's for sure. Um, well, Paul had some pretty big news here come up um, very recently. Big 12 has signed a new media deal with ESPN and Fox. Um, a lot of people thought the Big 12 was dead here about a year, two years ago with OU and UT leaving and lots of people talking about how the uh, the money was going to get cut in half. And, and here we see an increase. We see a $2.28 billion deal over six years. It's about $380 million a year for the conference, which breaks down to 31.6666666 million per team. Was this a good deal for the Big 12? Oh, they're going to wind up uh, getting north of $50 million a year when the uh, basketball tournament and the college football playoff expansion happens. So, yeah, it's a great deal. Uh, you know, their payout was $42 million last year. Uh, they anticipate it, um, you know, in the meat of this this contract being fifty million dollars. It's great. Now, is it the Big Ten or the or the SEC? No, but they have not completely earned that yet. Uh, on two facets, one, uh, you know, look, you've got to uh, start selling yourself better. They've done a terrible job of marketing. Um, of marketing that, you know, um, it's it, to me, sometimes it's like the same people who market the democratic party market, the big 12 and that like, you know, they cannot get their ideas across to regular Americans, uh, you know, to at least to where you'd sit down and listen to it, uh, because they just come up with terrible names and things like that. Like, you know, I'm not trying to, to stump here, but I do think like, that's the problem, uh, you know, in, in our political discourse is sometimes, the idea is presented to you so poorly. It could be a great idea. It could be free puppies for everyone. And you'd be like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I don't want a free puppy. What are you getting at here? Government and the big 12, you know, one true champion and all that stupid nonsense that they did years ago, really, they put themselves in that position. Mm. And so now with Brett Yormark and the things he's doing marketing wise to get them out of that hole, so to speak, and it also helps that they're having a fantastic year for the conference. There's no conference where every game, like, oh, look, all five games this week mean something. You cannot say that about any other conference. Uh, in the SEC, the Pac-12, the ACC, and the Big Ten, not every game in the conference means something. But right now, this year in the Big 12, every single game means something. And so they are they they hit at the right time where live sports – is at a premium because live sports is the one thing that we'll schedule our time around, right? So we can see a game live and be involved in it. And uh, for the linear networks, for the regular television networks, for streaming, because look, Travis, if you want to watch Game of Thrones, do you have to watch it on Sunday night? No, you don't have to watch it on Sunday night. You don't like, you can watch it on Sunday night, literally 20 minutes after it starts, like on HBO, on the app. Like you, you there's nothing that tells you yeah. Any other show that you have to watch then. Uh, and But with sports, there is still that, I have to see this now because it's happening now. You know, Game of Thrones isn't happening now. Uh, 
The Bachelor isn't happening now. It's happening, you know, whenever they taped it. But the sports are happening right now in this moment. That's why people get up in the middle of the night to watch the Olympics because yeah. they, they want to make sure that, you know, they see the, the gold medal match when it happens. That's what live sports brings. And the Big 12 is one of the best for football and especially men's basketball. Every night that there's a game in the Big 12 right now, it's important. It matters. It matters to the conference. It matters to the national picture. It, it matters. And so they picked a good time to be good at both those things. And they picked a good time for the teams that are leaving their league to not be as relevant, right? So Oklahoma and Texas being bad is actually not bad. I mean, Texas is okay. Oklahoma's okay. And we're going to talk about Oklahoma here in a minute, I'm sure. But um, for them not to be controlling the league, it's a, it's a really good time because, you know, if you're trying to sell yourself and you say, well, hey, um, I'm, uh, you know, we're a great league without Texas and Oklahoma, but if Texas and Oklahoma were both tied for first, you'd be like, are you? No, but right now it's TCU and Kansas State are the best two teams in the league. You know, Oklahoma and Baylor were last year, you know, so Oklahoma State and Baylor were last year. So those are good. Um, the other thing that the Big 12 does have to do, and this will happen, I'm sure, when the playoff expands, maybe not in the next couple of years when it's still four teams because you never know. Uh, because they they will eat their own young a little bit. As we've said, the conference is so good, it's going to be hard to go through unscathed. It's hard for anybody nationally to go through unscathed at any conference, but particularly in this one. Um, you know, whoever wins the Tennessee-Georgia this game this week is not going to lose until the SEC championship game, right? Uh, potentially. like They're, they're probably not going to lose. Yep. So in that league, you, you have even a better chance to go through unscathed this season um, in the SEC East. So – what they do need to do, which is what the SEC did, was win some titles. You know, the ACC's won more titles with different schools. FSU and Clemson have won three of the last, you know, what, 15 or so, right? Uh, Ten. So, like, you've got the ACC with three titles. Um, and um, you've got, you know, the SEC has a bunch. The Big Ten only has one, right? They've got the first one with Ohio State. Uh, but they've managed to – what they've done better is they've sold their league better. Mm -hmm. And most of those teams are in population centers that are bigger than Ames, Iowa, Manhattan, Kansas, and Morgantown, West Virginia, right? Waco, Te you know, the Texas schools have the benefit of being in a massive state because right. it's, it's Texas. But everybody else is in, you know, Kansas and Iowa and West Virginia and places like that. So they're – they have those population centers of, you know, Ohio and Michigan and Pennsylvania and, you know, big, big, densely populated areas that, you know, help them sell their story a little better, even though if you read the story, it's Ohio State and everyone else, right? There's not anybody else in the Big Ten that's, like, done anything really um, consistently. Ohio State, arguably, is the most consistent team in college football since the 70s. Like, they, they've had – in 50 years, they've had four or five down years, you know, but outside of that, you know, everybody else is a roller coaster in that league. So uh, the Big 12 just has to do a better job of selling it and they'll have that opportunity. So is that part of the reason why the deal was kind of a shorter deal uh, versus the Big 10 and the SEC is that 
your mark and, and the Big 12 really needs to prove itself. And is that kind of why your mark maybe went for a shorter term deal? Because he believes that the Big 12 will prove itself and then come 2031 when the deal expires, like then we're going to see a, a big uptick in this next I, deal after this one. I, I think that's part of it. Uh, also, by 2031, a lot will have changed in college football. And you don't want to be um, – he's trying to do with the Big Ten. The Big Ten will be able to negotiate their deal twice before the ACC gets out of theirs. Wow. Nobody wants to be the ACC, right? Wow. So the um, so they want to be able to do that, like renegotiate, renegotiate. The, big, the ACC is stuck, right, with what they are. Uh, starting in 2025, UCF is going to make more money per year on their media rights deal than Miami and Florida State. And Florida State is one of the wow. highest ranked te- – like. As far not highest ranked, but like as far as as TV ratings go, when they're on, people watch. So uh, UCF, you know, and I'm not trying to knock UCF. I'm just telling you that right now that UCF versus Cincinnati in year two in the Big 12 is not going to be as much as an average Florida State team versus an average Miami team uh, Saturday night uh, in uh, on ESPN. It's just not going to happen. Like there'll be more people watching that game because it's classic. But guess what? Cincinnati and UCF is going to make more money off that game. So that's because wow. the ACC got scared the last time around, made this huge grant of rights. So that's why they kind of want to do it and be able to negotiate. Plus, if there's potential for expansion, say, you know, another league falls to the wayside, which I hope it doesn't happen for the Pac-12, but and the television partners don't seem to want any further expansion. I think they like where things are, but – I, I do think that the Pac-12, even if they get a TV deal done in the short term, is still in a tenuous spot because I don't think that you're negotiating with teams that want to that, – that necessarily see their future altogether. Mm-hmm. I think that they see their present altogether. But I think if you look long, down long term, if you are Oregon, Washington, Stanford, and Cal uh, in particular, um, how much does playing Arizona benefit you? You know, like when you're we're talking about it, the L.A. schools leaving really hurts them. It really does. It hurts them from a television rating standpoint, and it really hurts them from a recruiting standpoint. And the example I'll give you is if, if Oregon and Washington and all those teams that recruit Los Angeles don't play this right, if they do not play this right, you could wind up being Arkansas a little bit in that. You know, when Arkansas left the Southwest Conference, they did not allow for the fact that they were not going to be playing games in Texas anymore. Mm. So – you know, they left the Southwest Conference within a couple of years. The Southwest Conference is dead and it's the Big 12. And Arkansas did not prepare for that eventuality that they were not going to be playing those games in Texas, you know, uh, half of them every year. And that little thing of, you know, I want to play against the guys I played against or I want to, my parents to be able to come and see me, you know, all those kind of things that matters. You know, those, those kind of things matter. Regionality still does matter, even though, everything's gone more national, but yeah, you got to, they're, they're going to lose some steam because USC and, and UCLA are not there. And um, you know, so uh, they're going to lose a little steam in recruiting just because of not being able to recruit one really kind of against them. Cause you're not doing that. And so uh, plus they're going to, you know, they're going to make the PAC 12 is going to make about the same money that the big 12 is. Right. And those teams are going to be like, well, if we had gone, if we've been able to go to the Big Ten, then we could do this. So that's that's 
shaky ground in the Pac-12. I think they're fine in the short term, but long term, who knows? And so if the TV deal isn't that long, then you can realistically say like, okay, well, if the Pac-12 does fall apart in five years, yeah, then let's let's call up Utah and Arizona. Like, you know, let's let's cherry pick what we want as the Big 12 and and see what we can do. So, so it sounds like you don't think there's I felt like after this deal got done that there was just so much pressure on all of these Pac-12 schools. And th- there may be some pressure, but I may be um, overinflating that on my end. But it sounds like from your end that there is some pressure on the Pac-12 teams now, but maybe not so much as we think. Um, I don't think there's I don't think there's as much pressure anymore. I mean, I think now that it's done. Uh, like he can breathe easy and focus on the other things now. You know, I think I think that that was the big thing is getting it done, securing the league, and now being able to uh, make those. And uh, the way I like to look at you know television contracts and these games is these are TV shows. Mm-hmm. These are TV shows, and I um, I think that uh, you got to have good TV shows, right? So now you got to make sure your TV shows that you're putting on, you know. TCU and Texas Tech this week, got to make sure that those TV shows are the best shows, the most engaging things that people are going to tune into. So um, I think that's that's the things that they have to, to work on. And now that they know what they're getting and they can move forward and focus on the college football playoff expansion, you know, and making sure that, they're you know, that is equitable. I think the Big 12, Pac-12, and ACC are going to have to really fight the Big 10 and SEC on guaranteed spots, you know, or not necessarily guaranteed spots, but uh, a revenue split because the SEC is going to say like, well, we're going to get three teams in every year, but if you don't, you know, like those kind of things, I think they can now focus on because they'll have their deal in hand. So, yeah. Well, you know, I was excited to see the deal get done. I think your Mark's doing, doing a great job. He's God, he's barely been in the position for any time at all. And I feel like he's already making some, some big moves for the big 12. So excited to see where the conference is going and, you know, any, um, you know, shaky ground that the Big 12 may have been on here a year to two years ago, I think is is dissipating at, mm-hmm. at a quick pace, especially with this deal being done. And Paul, appreciate your insight on that. And I want to talk about now this Texas Tech game. Um, it seemed like Baylor, you know, thought they had kind of turned a corner maybe earlier in the year against Iowa State, but maybe mm-hmm. now they're turning that corner, coming up with a big 45-17 to 17 win in Texas Tech. And you know what? I was lied to, Paul, all week because uh, there was a bunch of people on Twitter saying, oh, this is, atmosphere is going to be insane. It's a blackout game. We got Patrick Mahomes coming back into town, Joey McGuire going against his old squad, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I never, you know, I wasn't at the game, but I never felt that on TV that the atmosphere was any anywhere close to even BYU, I would say. And you know what? I also never saw Baylor panic. I think the the white eyes that that uh, Aranda talked about after the BYU game, I, I felt like this Baylor team just never panicked. They they knew what to expect. And Man, they were not phased at all, even from the first drive of the game, getting stopped, no points, but still no panic in this team. Was this Baylor's most complete game of the year? Oh, by by far, by far. Look, um, 
I'll tell you this. The Patrick Mahomes coming back thing is kind of ironic to me because uh, you didn't win that much when he was there. So, uh, you know, uh, when he was playing for you and doing everything he could to help you when you still found ways to lose games. So uh, I don't imagine him just standing there not throwing passes is going to help you all that much. But that's just me. Uh, I, uh, I do think that Baylor was able to, I think, take the crowd out of the game slowly in the first half where that first quarter was three to nothing and it just was so slow paced and not, mm. not the, not the concert those guys were used to seeing, you know, um, they, they came out and they slowed it down and mucked it up. And they're uh, the Texas tech fans are used to all rise, right. They're all like all here, you know, they like those Barney Stinson mixes, which is just all upbeat Bon Jovi songs. They're, they're all rise. And they, that was not what Baylor did in that first quarter. And it took the air out of the balloon just a little bit. And they did all year on defense what they haven't even come close to doing. This has been um, – I will not mince words. This has been a bad defense all year. They've been bad. They're not – they were not good. What were they stopping? Were they stopping the run? Kind of. Were they stopping the pass? Not at all. Were they getting after the quarterback? Never. Were they creating turnovers? Not really. So, you know, all those things happened, and then they just turned it on its ear and did it. I Look, I said all week I could not fathom a way that – Baylor's biggest weakness against Texas Tech, big, biggest strength, uh, was going to work out for Baylor from what I'd seen all year long. But you know what? That's why they play the games, and they turned it around. And and going into Oklahoma this week, that's a good sign because back-to-back weeks they're facing very similar offenses, you know, uh, in, in what their uh, schemes are, what they're trying to do, what the kind of the mission statement of the offense is, all of that. They are, they are facing very similar offenses. So – uh, they can say, like, look, we can just roll out and kind of approach it the same way so you don't have to kind of reboot the whole thing. Okay, well, now we got to play face uh, TCU who's – well, I mean, TCU's kind of like that, uh, maybe a little bit slower paced, but still trying to go, go, go. Uh, or we have to face Kansas State, which I guess is the next one is Kansas State, which is not that way if it's Adrian Martinez. You have to focus on, um, you know, whatever quarterback you're going to get there and a really, really tough nose defense. So – You've got kind of two similar teams back-to-back that can get you, one, to bowl eligibility uh, now that you won that fifth game against Texas Tech, and, and two, uh, confident in that you've got something going and winning two games in a row on the road, which, Travis, you've been a Baylor fan your whole life. Even in the good years, you were not completely confident of them, like the great years of winning two games in a row on the road just because historically it's just not what they did. So they're new to success. I think sometimes Baylor fans forget that, that like, you're very new to consistent success. So you can't ignore the past history because, again, it comes back for everybody. You know, um, uh, there are certain teams you just don't play well against. Ask Clemson and Syracuse. You know, Clemson had to fight and claw to beat Syracuse uh, a, a few times in the last few years. Is Syracuse better than Clemson? No. But for whatever reason, when the Orange roll into either Death Valley or Clemson goes up there, um, the don't care button hits the Tigers. It just, it just happens uh, with Baylor. It's not the don't care button. It's the, Oh crap. Where are we? <laughs> oh, we're, we're in Provo. We're in Stillwater. We're in, Oh my God. We're in Morgantown. Oh my God. Like these Hilljacks here are drinking moonshine and I'm scared, you know, like that, that kind of stuff happens and they, you know, they, they hyperventilate. So uh, winning two games on the road and in Lubbock, a place that was, bragging all week like you said about how lit it was going to be well they they completely you know threw water on those torches and 
uh, and controlled the game except for the third quarter, which, you know, uh, they need to figure that out. But yeah. uh, except for the third quarter, it, it was great. Yeah, yeah. And speaking of the third quarter, the, the last two games here, we saw a fumble against West Virginia return for a touchdown. We end up losing that game. We fumble against Kansas when everything seems to be going well. We're able to recover from that one, though. And then here we like here we go again, Paul. Another fumble in that, you know, midway through the game where Baylor's in complete control and just letting a team back into the game, giving this team a life after we had taken the crowd essentially out of the game. Um, but hey, here we're able to kind of get over that hump sooner and we're able to pull this game away. So we kind of been improving. We, we don't want to fumble for sure, but we've been improving on coming back from major mistakes and not letting them just bury this team. Is that just a sign of a maturing team? I think it is. And I think it's, I'd like to see them, uh, Dabo Sweeney, uh, who, if you watch the show, you know that I'm, 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 I'm apoplectic about, uh, but Dabo Sweeney has this thing. He talks about all the time with Clemson, which is the middle eight, which is the last four minutes of the second quarter and the first four minutes of the third quarter. And Clemson for the most part dominates those eight minutes. And, because of that, they win most of their games because they can take a tie game and make it a 10-point game because of their efficiency in those, in those, in those eight minutes, right? Uh, Baylor needs to learn that. If they can learn that, then this team is completely different. Because if you look, look back at the middle eight against Oklahoma State, maybe that game's a little bit different. You know, if you look at back at the middle eight against BYU, that game's a lot different. You know, if you had closed out the first half, especially if you close out the first half, you know, shutting the crowd up and having them sit for 20 minutes at halftime being sad, like that's, that's, a, that's a big deal. Um, if you look at the middle eight against West Virginia, dear God in heaven, that's what turned the game. And so if, if they had fixed that, um, you know, that's different. They, they almost let it go, you know, at the, and not even a middle eight, but the back four of that middle eight, they almost let it go again. Uh, and it was probably inevitable that Texas Tech was going to, you know, uh, claw their way off the bottom of the floor for a minute. But it was impressive how in the fourth quarter, you know, when Texas Tech felt that they were breathing again, Baylor just punched him in the gut over and over again. And they, you know, eventually they just tapped out. So I think that um, that is a maturing team. That is something that they finally understand. And sometimes you learn by doing right. The coaches can say like, hey just get a turnover. Like once you have that feeling like, Oh, I get it now. Oh, 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 you know, you can't, um, you know, you can't tell Blake Shapin or Kyron Jones or whoever the scout team quarterback is, you know, throw a crap pass in practice. That's not going to make you any better. But when somebody throws one and you actually make a play on it, or when someone makes a good throw and you still make a play on it because you, did the work in the film room and you, you know, what's coming, then, then your confidence goes up. And I think that that for, especially for the young secondary and a defensive line that has, uh, shouldn't have been this, um, yeah. woeful all year, yeah. uh, woke up. I mean, you had six sacks, five interceptions, eight tackles for loss, six passes def- deflected. Uh, that is the kind of game that they played last year. That's the kind of game they played in the sugar bowl yeah. last year, you know, where they're just all over, the other team and the, your offense can just kind of do what they want. Um, now that wasn't the sugar bowl, the sugar bowl, your offense can kind of, you know, skate by 
<laughs> enough because, you know, Ole Miss could move the ball. But you put your offense in a position to not have had that fourth quarter. Like, they had that great fourth quarter where they, you know, the pick six and everything that they had. But if none of that happens and you just keep Texas Tech out of the end zone, you have played a good enough defensive game to where you're going to win even if your offense had gone off, you know, had, had gone cold. So they were playing complimentary football for the first time. Yes, finally. I, I think, God, it was just so good to see that defense, I think, play to its full potential because that is what we expected to see from week one from this team, that defensive line being dominant and pressuring the quarterback and then allow maybe taking some pressure off of that young secondary. And now we see it come to fruition. And you know what? Maybe Tech did honor Patrick Mahomes a little bit. He wore number five while he played there and they threw five interceptions. So, you know, in a way, I guess, I guess they did honor him. And but, but you heard Joey after the game said, look, they missed a huge opportunity there. You know, that, that was, that was a big spot for them to, you know, you can't reek. You can't just be like, Hey, we're going to induct Patrick Mahomes again. You know, the <laughs> most, like the most popular player in the national football league right now, went to our school, he's back here celebrating his red Raiderness and, you, you, you womp womped, you, you know, it's just, uh, yeah, exactly. You know, they, they were on, have you ever seen the show pressure luck? No whammy, no whammy, no whammy. Stop. They hit a whammy every time, I mean, time. every time. And it was, uh, it's disappointing. It's disappointing for that fan base. It's disappointing for that team. Now I think they'll wind up in a bowl game. I think they'll wind up, you know, certainly better off. Um, but, uh, I think they showed it's time to like, even if Baron Morton has the kind of game he did the other day, you, you maybe have to let him, you know, work out of it yeah. you know let him let it like you know, look that's you know that's what here's just to, to use Patrick Mahomes as an example there are games in the NFL where like you know what he doesn't have it but you know what they do they just know that if you keep it close enough all it's going to take is one right yep. all it's going to take is one moment for Patrick Mahomes to hit a great pass and then all of a sudden you're back in the game the momentum's on they got to do that with Baron Morton I don't know what putting Donovan Smith and Tyler Shuckin really did for them. Not I think they they they're guilty of overthinking that a little bit. Like, okay, let's give them a break and see what happens. And both of them on their first pass through interceptions, and that like that uh, that was uh, that was bad idea. Like, that's one of those things that's funny when you know, and we all have this in our life. We're like, let's try this out, and then immediately it doesn't work. We're like, let's not do that. But they did it twice. Like they did it. Like, oh no, okay, that didn't work. Instead of putting Baron Morton back in, like, you know what? Tyler, you're healthy. Let's go out there. And that pass that he threw looked like the first one he's thrown since he broke his collarbone. So, yeah, I think that they I, they didn't do themselves a service by doing that. They, uh, I think they maybe should have uh, gone with the uh, Dave Aranda old hat, new hat strategy um, and gone yeah. back to the old hat because they went new hat. And then they were like, oh, no, let's try another new hat. And uh, yeah. Yeah, n- none of them, yeah. none of them worked out. So, uh and, hey, you, you mentioned that Baylor was really able to uh, control the pace of play here. Time of possession, Baylor 40 minutes. Baylor held the ball for 40 minutes. A lot of that on the back of true freshman running back Richard Reese. I mean, 36 carries. My goodness. I don't even think Abram Smith got up to 36 carries last year. 148 yards, three touchdowns. And then last week against Kansas, 31 carries, 186 and two touchdowns. Can Baylor and will Baylor continue to lean on him this much for the, for the rest of the season? Well, unless, unless Tamek Williams and squirrel Williams get healthy in a hurry, they're going to have to, 
And look, Oklahoma is a team that's vulnerable against this. They can do this against Oklahoma. Um, I mean, theoretically, I mean, based on what we've seen uh, Oklahoma be defensively for most of the year, uh, they can, they can do this for sure. Now, Oklahoma's getting a little better on defense, so it might be tougher than it would have been, say, three weeks ago had they played Oklahoma, but I don't think you'd want to be uh, playing Oklahoma on the road three weeks ago if you're Baylor because three weeks ago you weren't that good either at, at that time. So now you're starting to grow. I've got a little bit of – I mean, granted, it was not as dire, but like 2012 vibes off this team where that team was really on the mat and then they were able to – you know, kind of charge forward at the end of the year and go on that streak once they found their their heart. I think that that might have happened in Lubbock the other night, and you take it to Norman uh, against a team that, that is also trying to find themselves, and you can do it. Yeah, I think you're going to see Richard Reese get 30 carries. I think the goal is 30 carries in the RVO because I think that the more you give him the ball, the, the easier you make it on Blake Shapen, and the the less you have to make it on the guys like Barnard Baldwin didn't play again last yeah. week, and uh, Baylor wind up not missing him when that's that's weird. Now, Hal Presley um, mm. started to show out and made made three like the catches. He first three, I think he had four catches, but the first three he made were all superb. Not just like oh, you just threw a little slight route and he caught the ball like he's supposed to. Like he went up and made plays, and that's the things they need uh, down the stretch. Ben Sims, you know, got first downs for you. He hadn't done that in a couple weeks. Those are the good things that happened. They need to do that against a vulnerable Oklahoma defense uh, because. Uh, you know, look, I, I don't think they'll they'll probably have the same exact defensive output they did against Texas Tech and Norman uh, last week. Dylan Gabriel is a better quarterback, uh, so he's more experienced and he'll figure things out faster than Baron Morton will. But uh, I do think that they now have a blueprint that they can follow and understand uh, yeah. where I think the light had not come on for these guys just yet. Yeah, and, and just to wrap up here quickly on that Tech game, um, Reese, 90 yards behind Shock Linwood for most rush yards by a freshman in Baylor history. He's got 791 right now, and Shock had 881. He does have uh, more touchdowns than Shock had, 12 to 8, and he's got more receiving yards, 80 to uh, to Shock's 19. So uh, it's likely well, that uh, Shock could not catch. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> I don't. They didn't really throw the ball to the backs all that much, unless your name was Lake Seastrunk, and even Lake Seastrunk couldn't really catch. Uh, Lake would tell you that. Uh, so uh, uh, that that team wasn't looking for backs that could catch; they could looking for backs that could go. Uh, and shock, um, yeah, they weren't going to do that that much. But yeah, Richard Reese is. Uh, I think he's. I think he's going to. If he stays healthy, I think he probably breaks that record this week, uh, and uh, and and probably shatters it by the end of the season. Yeah, likely going to happen. Hopefully, going to happen here in Norman. I know. I know Baylor's going to going to need it because Oklahoma is is kind of starting to turn a corner now and, and find some identity on, on both sides of the ball. And we're going to get back to Paul shortly and talk about that OU matchup this weekend. But first, you know what that music means? Oh yeah, it's time for the oh so good player of the game. And hey, we we had a lot of guys step up and stand out this past weekend but we are going to the defensive side of the ball in Gabe Hall big 12 defensive player of the week three tackles three sacks three tackles for loss one QB hurry and he was our leading pass rusher when Baylor needed it the most that was a key to the game for me was was to pressure the quarterback make it difficult for him that's exactly what we did. Came away with five interceptions, but also six get six sacks on the on the day for the Bears. Three of them coming from Gabe Hall. 
Honorable mention though, Richard Reese. We talked about his stats, but Garmin Randolph, four tackles, two sacks, two tackles for loss. And then Devin Lemire, Mark Milton, Al Walcott, Tevin Williams, AJ McCarty, count them up, five. All with interceptions. AJ McCarty's going for a pick six. Everyone's first career interception except for Al Walcott. But hey, Gabe Hall, your oh so good player of the game. And look, they're going to have a much better offensive line than Tech does. I think that also helped Baylor out for sure. Um, that offensive line looked, looked rough uh, from the Red Raiders, but Oklahoma is going to have a, a much better offensive line. And OU opened up as, as a three-point favorite. Um, usually uh, teams get those points at home, so it's kind of a pick them here. And, and that's kind of the way I'm feeling too. Um, we got Brent Venables, new head coach for, for OU coming from Clemson. And then Jeff Levy at offensive coordinator, who we faced at Ole Miss um, in the Sugar Bowl. And Coach Aranda said um, there's not much similarity between his offense at Ole Miss and, and here at OU. He says no, he's kind really of been, been using uh, some of the same run run schemes that OU did last year. Does that help Baylor? Um, I think so. I, I also think that um, Jeff Levy was running the Jeff Levy offense at Ole Miss under what Lane Kiffin approved because Lane is the – and look, their offense at Ole Miss this year is different uh, under Charlie Weiss Jr. than it was under uh, – Lane Kiffin is very adaptable coach uh, in, in changes what the, the talent dictates. You know, they, uh, they're running the ball a whole lot more uh, this year than they were last year at Ole Miss. Uh, so Jeff Levy now has more of a carte blanche to run the offense that, that he wants to run, the, the Art Bryles offense, the – uh, that, that he came up in. And so because of that, um, you know, I think you're seeing some things that, that Baylor is familiar with all across the board, but I do think that it'll help them in that they faced it with Zach Kitley last week. Uh, Oklahoma's going to try to run the ball more because mostly they don't have outside of Marvin Mims, like they don't have the weapons on the outside that they used to. So they're going to run the ball a little bit more. The run scheme will be more familiar. And, and Dylan Gabriel is a, is a huge threat to run. Uh, as you know, so uh, those are the things they're going to have to deal with this week. But I, I do think that um, ultimately uh, Baylor has set themselves up well to defend it, and they know it. They've seen him last year. They've seen him this year. They, the coaching staff knows his tendencies. The team should be confident. But, um, you know, Dylan Gabriel is the X factor here in that, um, you know, Matt Corral got hurt early in that Ole Miss game. Uh, Baron Morton is not Dylan Gabriel, and Dylan Gabriel to me is a – a much more complete quarterback than they've seen between Luke Altmeyer, who they saw for most of that game against Ole Miss and Baron Morton, who they saw last night in the Zach Kitley offense or last week in the Zach Kitley offense. So that's the X factor to me. I picked Baylor uh, to win the game last night on our, our podcast, the big one too. And I'll pick him again. Nothing's going to change my mind other than like, you know, the whole team, uh, you know, gets rickets or something <laughs> at the end of the week. So it's not going to change my mind. I think they, they, they match up well. Uh, with this OU team, and that's a little bit like this. And I think Baylor might might have woken up. I'm hoping so as well. I think it's uh man, just a very evenly matched uh, matchup here in Norman. I think obviously going up to Norman um, is uh, is tough, it, it, even on their down years as this year is. And yeah, it, it's always tough playing on the road, as as you mentioned earlier. Um, so I think ba Baylor has had some trouble. 
um, with mobile quarterbacks and running quarterbacks. And it'll be interesting mm-hmm. to see what they do there on defense to, to shore that up. Do they, do they keep someone's buying them um, or do they kind of let loose kind of like they did against tech? Do they play aggressively? Do they play a little bit more man? Do they show a little bit more pressure? Um, hey, we'll just have to see. I think Aranda is well-equipped to stop this type of offense, probably the most equipped um, in the nation at stopping a, a spread-like offense. And so yeah. I'm really excited to see the the uh, the game plan defensively. And then I think offensively, it's it's the same old game plan pretty much every week is, is control the ball on the ground and, and set up that play action. And I've got a lot, a lot of confidence in, in this run game now, especially with Khalil Keith back in the mix. And so, yeah, I think, I think Baylor can uh, very even matchup, but Baylor can go up there and, and definitely win. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They're, 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 they're clearly, I mean, Khalil Keith, that's a good point. He's, he makes a big difference uh, on that right side. He is, he's a road grader. I mean, he is absolutely a fantastic run blocker. He's perked in that zone scheme. And, uh, and I, I, I think it's been, I mean, they were, I, they were waiting anxiously to get him back. Yeah. Yeah. So squirrel Baldwin, both questionable here. Uh, unfortunately saw Drake Dabney go down with a broken leg. So, so he'll be out the rest of the season. Um, but Kelsey Johnson is, is an exceptional run blocker. I think Aranda mentioned looking at the tape, he was the most impressive on the tape when they went and, and looked back. So, uh, you know, unfortunate for Dabney, but not, not, uh, not something that Kelsey Johnson can't come come in and do uh any last thoughts here paul uh i i think this should be an interesting game it should be much closer than last week uh baylor's you know won in norman a couple times it's going to be tough but uh, i think they will gut it out in the end and i'm looking forward to see if that confidence rolls over a, a week later yep all right, Paul. Hey, thanks for joining us again. Uh, you guys can check out Paul on Sikkim 365 Radio Monday through Friday, 3 to 6, on the Big 1-2 on Monday nights. Paul, thanks again, man, and congrats again on the engagement and Sikkim Bears. All right. Thanks, Travis. Anytime, buddy. All right, let's get into my bare necessities this weekend for a win in Norman. I've only got two this week, and first, it is quarterback contain is the name of the game. Dylan Gabriel is very good with his feet, very good at escaping the pocket, and hey, we've we've talked about it all year. That's been a weakness for this Baylor defense is letting quarterbacks get out and run and pick up extra yardage and pick up first downs. Hey, look, last week, Shapin was able to do it. it. It was kind of the difference in the game for us, at least in the first half. And Spencer Sanders against Baylor in Waco, a huge reason they were up uh, able to get up in the first half of that game. Baylor just could not contain Spencer Sanders. And look, we, we've got our work cut out for us in Norman, Dylan Gabriel, very good escaping the pocket and he's going to make plays but we've got to be there it's going to be interesting to see what our defensive game plan is in that regard do we rush three and spy or do we stay aggressive and just kind of not get out of our lanes to keep him in the pocket be interesting to see but hey we, we can't let gabriel beat us with his legs secondly is to win the time of possession 
a lot like we did in Tech. This is gonna take the crowd out of it. It's a two o'clock game, but look, that, that crowd in Norman can get still get pretty wild. This is a high-flying offense, a high-tempo offense, and so the more that we can hold the ball, the more that's gonna take this offense out of rhythm. So we gotta win the time of possession. Game prediction. Yes, what is your game prediction? I will tell you right now. You know, there, there was a part of me that wanted to pick OU to win this game solely from the fact that I picked us to lose against Texas Tech and we came out and we played our best game of the year, our most complete game of the year. But you know what? I'm not going to do that this week. Oklahoma, 12th in S&P Plus. Baylor sitting at 17th. They are 5-3 on the year, 2-3 in conference play. They're on a two-game win streak after dropping three straight. Yikes. Don't know the last time an Oklahoma team dropped three straight games, two of those in embarrassing fashion, 55-24 to TCU, and then getting shut out 49-0 versus Texas. But hey, Two-game win streak now. They beat Kansas, a Jalen Daniels-less Kansas, 52-42. to And they beat Iowa State last week, um, mainly because of a fake field goal that went for a touchdown and beat Iowa State 27-13. to um, No shocker there that Iowa State gave up points on, uh, on special teams. But hey, we're not here to talk about Iowa State. We're here to talk about the Sooners. And look, I don't think their defense is very good. It is getting better. But I still do not think it, it is very good. I think Baylor is going to control the line of scrimmage, especially on offense. Um, their offensive line is much better than Tech, for sure. But, hey, look, I, I still have confidence in the defensive line that they're going to be able to control the line of scrimmage on that side of the ball as well. And this is that classic, like, hey, we know this is a high-flying offense that likes to pass it and, and play quick, but they want to establish the run. And what is Baylor good at? Stopping the run and stopping what you want to do best. And Aranda mentioned in his press conference that he sees a lot of similarities in the run game that they had under Lincoln Riley versus what they do in, in Levy. And we are well equipped from a scheme uh, and talent standpoint to stop that running game. They do have some very good running backs for sure. But look, I think we're going to control the line of scrimmage. I think OU is going to do enough, though, to stay in the game offensively. Um, but I don't think they get over 30. And I do think ba the Baylor will get over 30 the way this offense is playing. So give me Baylor winning on the road for back-to-back -back road wins 34-27. Let's do some Big 12 picks here, plus teams joining us, which, man, I'm really regretting that decision of, of picking the, the four teams games that are going to join the Big 12 here in the next year or two. Man, I went two and four on the week, which brings me below 500, two games below 500, 22, 24, and one, where I was right, though. Number seven, TCU at West Virginia. TCU minus seven points. I took TCU. They won by 10, 41-31. West Virginia kind of hung around in that game, and there was never a point that I really thought they were going to pull it out. But you know what? 
they hung in there and, and they fought. So for a team that's kind of on the bottom half of the conference, you at least like to see him put in a fight. But got that one right. And number nine, Oklahoma State at number 22, Kansas State. Kansas State, minus one point. And I, I chose Kansas State. And my goodness, this is an absolute shocker. Kansas State beats Oklahoma State 48-0. to zero. Now, I'm pretty sure that was Oklahoma State's first shutout since 2009. And look, I know that Spencer Sanders is, is banged up. He's been a... Uh, a big part of the reason why they've won so many games this year, but man, Kansas State just put a whip, uh, just like whooped them, whooped them big time, forty-eight to zero. So, got both of those games right. Where I was wrong though, Baylor at Tech. I chose Tech minus two and a half points, and your Bears went up there and spanked them forty-five to seventeen. OU at Iowa State. I had OU minus two points. Excuse me, I had Iowa State plus two points. And OU, with the special teams play, ends up winning 27-13. to East Carolina at BYU. I chose BYU minus three. They are really having a bummer of a season and just uh, continuing to go downhill. East Carolina won that game 27-24, to so I was wrong there. USF at Houston. I had Houston minus 17 and a half. Houston only won by 15, 42 to 27, so I was wrong there. And actually, I didn't mention that one when I first started, so I was, I, I'm actually 2-5 and five on the week. And then last game here, number 20, Cincinnati at UCF. I had Cincinnati minus 1, and UCF ended up winning that game 25-21. to 21. So I'm, I'm actually three games below 500, but we are going to get back on track. I'm feeling really good about these picks. Not really, but uh, you know what? I'm trying to speak it into existence and um, and just be confident. You know, sometimes you can just you just got to be confident, kind of like uh, like Chad Powers. You know, run fast, think fast, run fast. You know, you just got to think confident, and uh, you know what, your picks will your, your picks will turn out hopefully. Uh, Baylor visiting Norman. Already gave you my my uh, my prediction there. OU is favored by three and a half points. I've got Baylor plus points, but I think they're going to win outright. Tech. At number seven, TCU. TCU minus nine and a half points. And yeah, after we beat Tech so bad, yeah, I think TCU is going to win by more than nine and a half points. Give me TCU. Number 18, Oklahoma State is heading to Kansas. And I believe Jalen Daniels, the Kansas quarterback, is back for this game. I'm really not sure about the health of Spencer Sanders. Oklahoma State is favored by two points. So I'm going to roll with the Jayhawks. At home, I know they've lost, I think they've lost two straight, maybe three straight after they lost to us, but coming off of a bye week, I think they're they're going to get it done. And yeah, I think they're going to upset Oklahoma State if Jalen Daniels plays, which I think is going to happen. So give me Kansas. West Virginia at Iowa State, bottom, bottom two teams here in the Big 12 fighting it out. Iowa State favored by seven points. Um, man, I don't think they, they have the offense to win by seven points. So give me West Virginia covering. No, excuse me. I don't, I don't, not covering. Just give me West Virginia plus seven points. Give me the Mountaineers. Number 24, Texas visits number 13, Kansas State. And both of these teams um, need this win. If they're going to be in the Big 12 championship there at the end of the year. 
UT is somehow favored by two and a half points. I do not understand. I really do not understand how Kansas State comes out and destroys Oklahoma State 48-0. to And then they've got another home game as the higher-ranked team. And somehow Texas is favored by two and a half points. So yeah, give me Kansas State. They're, they're going to beat Texas. They are going to beat Texas. Number 25, UCF. Yeah, to, uh, cracking the top 25 at Memphis. Give me UCF minus three and a half. Navy at Cincinnati. Cincinnati is favored by 19 and a half points. And I'm going with Navy. Give me Navy. Navy, that is a lot of points. Houston at SMU. SMU favored by three points. I'm rolling with Houston. And BYU at Boise State. We already talked about, man, BYU's just come off the rails this season. They are flirting with not making a bowl, which would be a huge, huge disappointment for that program. Boise State is favored by seven and a half points. And yeah, I'm taking Boise State. Thanks again, as always, for listening this week and bearing with me this week. Huge shout out to Paul Catalina of Sikkim365 for joining us. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Always fun to have Paul on the podcast and congratulations again on the engagement and uh, moving into adulthood. So proud of you, Paul. Congratulations. Great opportunity for the Bears up here in Norman. Haven't won there very many times. And hey, back-to-back road games, always tough to do. But this team is playing with a lot of confidence. Uh, we, we saw them finally play a complete game, minus that fumble. So hopefully we take care of the ball here, get a few turnovers, and uh, escape Norman with a win. This is Travis Corley saying stay safe. I'm sick of Bears. The Please Bear With Me podcast was created by Scotty Swingler. It's hosted and produced by Travis Corley in affiliation with 247 Sports and Bears Illustrated.